Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. A Michigan golf course manager received a call that they had a problem on the golf course with one of the drivers. And he was expecting, a, when he thinks of a driver, he was expecting to, you know, this kind of driver. And he goes out and he, he found that the problem was that an Amazon driver had gotten onto the golf course and, and did this. Now, he wedged it so tight in there. That, that's a tunnel meant for a golf cart. That's not meant for an Amazon truck. He wedged it so tight, it took a tow truck to pull him out. He literally between a rock and a hard place there. I mean, <laughs> but what is interesting was this guy said that his GPS led him there. I, I'm thinking, can you imagine kind of what's going through his head? He's like, oh, that tunnel looks small. But my GPS said I can do it. I, makes you wonder, who do you trust? I won't ask for a show of hands, but I bet there's more than one of us that have been led astray by a faulty GPS one time. And we're like, Lord, how in the world did I wind up here? Oh, fire Siri. I'm going to fire my GPS. I'm, this is not working. <laughs> but the issue is trust. And uh, this morning, I, I want to talk about trust. I want to talk about learning to trust. And uh, trust is a firm belief in the reliability, the truthfulness, the, uh, the ability, the strength of someone or something. You trusted, most of you when you came in didn't really check your chair, you trusted it would hold you. You just sat down. And so there's a, there's a level of trust there. You know, there's trust that you have in relationships and trust can be, they can be built or trust can be broken. There was a, uh, a man who had uh, uh, six kids. And he was so proud of himself for fathering six kids that he started calling his wife mother of six. He'd be like, hey, mother of six. Hey, mother of six, would you? She didn't like that. She really didn't appreciate that. And the tipping point came when they're at a party one night and he, he's ready to go. He yells out in this party, Hey, mother of six, are you ready to go? She was so irritated at his lack of discretion that she yells out, Anytime you are, father of four. <laughs> Trust can be built. <laughs> Trust can be broken. In relationships, it, it's a trust oftentimes we find is something that we, that we can give. And, and so you hear people say, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll trust you, but if you break trust, sometimes it's hard for us to get trust back again. And so trust can be built. Trust all, often has to be earned. And, you know, if you've had a violation of trust, I remember years ago, some guy who was a mechanic, he was working on our car and he really... He really messed it up bad and charged us a lot of money. And he's like, he was a Christian. He's like, brother, you need to forgive me. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. But I am never bringing my car back here again. You say, well, Alan, that's not Christ-like. No, the Christ-like part was forgiving. 
The other part is you need to earn trust. And so your forgiveness is a gift, trust is earned. And trust really becomes the bedrock, the foundation for any good relationship. Good relationships are built on trust. When Joy and I were first married, Joy had come from a family that had a history where men had been unfaithful, men had been unfaithful to her, they'd been bad to her. And so for many uh, in her family, the, the word was you didn't trust men. And I remember in our relationship, it was a problem in our relationship and, until finally she, she had a revelation. Her first revelation is that God would never leave her. And then she finally came to the point where she trusted me. And trust is, is the basis of which we built our relationship on. The fact that if you came to me and said, you know, Alan, I, I hate to tell you this, but I saw Joy out at a club the other night. She was partying hard, man. She was with a bunch of guys and dancing and partying. I'm, I'm going to look at you and laugh and go, what are you smoking? <laughs> because we got a trust relationship. And so that, that becomes the, the strength of a relationship. But it's also the strength of our relationship with God. You see, we're not just, Christianity is so different from other religions. It's not a form. It's not something where we're just repeating something or a mantra or something. We actually have a relationship with God and it's a relationship that's built on trust and our trust can grow and develop. It's a wonderful thing. In Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs was talking about trusting God and he said, every word of God is pure. He's a shield to those who put their trust in him. Now there's some real, there's some real insight into that. One, trusting God is often, is always going to be connected with trusting his word. You know, if, if you said, if you said, well, you know, you know, Alan, I, man, I love Alan, I appreciate him, he's a trustworthy guy, but you can't trust a thing he says. Well, you can't, if you can't trust the thing I say, then you really can't trust me. And so trusting God is, is going to be involved with trusting his word. His word is pure. That means tested and tried. And said he is a shield to those who put their trust in him. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking he's a protection. And I thought, you know, you know but people have had stuff happen. And they're like, where, where was God? I really believe when we get to heaven, I, we're going to see all the times that God has protected us and shielded us. And we didn't even know it things he did. Listen, if you drive a vehicle in Houston, God, your angels have been busy. They have, if you're in here today and you're alive, they have protected you. We just had a staff member that had an awful wreck and they showed me the car and she walked out of it with just some bruises. God can be a shield and a protection and he can, he can trust. And we're going to, you're going to see your angel in heaven. He's going to go, dude, did you ever keep me busy? Man, I was, but there, there's a key word here. It says he's a shield to those who put their trust in him. And so in other words, trust, and this is something that we have to understand. Trust is not a feeling. Trust is a choice. We put our trust. We put our trust in people. When Philip Moore first came to work with us, he, Philip's been our executive pastor now for 20 years. And when he first came to work with me, we worked closely together. In fact, he sat in my office for the first month and we began to know one another. And I would ask Philip, we give we talk about tasks and things to do. I said, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? And after a while, I realized Philip Moore, if he wrote it down, it was done. I never asked Philip, have you done this? If he writes it, it's done. That's a trust relationship. 
and God's more trustworthy than Philip. Sean Connery, uh, many of you know, remember Sean Connery? He was the first James Bond. We won't have a debate about who was the best James Bond, but he was the first James Bond. And Sean Connery, they wanted him to play in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Y'all remember that trilogy, that movie trilogy? They wanted Sean Connery to play Gandalf in that. And they, man, they came after that. They're like, Sean, we'll give you $30 million to do this. And of course, he'd have to go to New Zealand and he'd have to get involved. $30 million and... 15% of the box office. That would have wound up being 447 additional million dollars. Now, if I'm, you know, but he turned them down. He turned, I mean, they came to him. Man, they put, Sean, we're going to give you 15% of the, nope, he passed. Years later, they, he finally described why he passed. He said, I didn't understand it. He said, I read the book, I read the script, I saw the movie, I still don't understand. <laughs> For $477 million, I can get some understanding. I, 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 try me, I will, I'll grasp it, I will grasp it. But here's, here's my, he passed on such a wonderful opportunity because he didn't understand. How many of us have passed on the opportunity to trust God because we haven't understood everything going on? Or you read a Bible passage and you read it and you go, I don't understand that. Hey, listen, guys, can I tell you, I still read Bible passages that I don't understand and read things that I don't understand. You say, well, well, what do you do? Well, one, I don't tell God, I don't get this. I just, one, I appreciate the parts that I do understand and I can, I, that's enough for me to go on. That's enough for me to keep me busy. It's like Joyce Aunt Mary, gonna stop lying, gonna stop gossiping, gonna, but the idea is, don't, don't pass trusting God just because you don't understand everything. He's worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our trust and say, Lord, I don't understand everything, but I trust you're good. I trust you're just. I trust you are fair. I trust you. There was a man in the Bible that I call choosing Thomas. And you say, well, I thought he was doubting Thomas. No, no, no. He choosing Thomas. Because there's nothing in the scriptures that says he's doubting Thomas. And when you get to heaven, I suggest you don't call him doubting Thomas. Because he may look at you and go, let's talk your life right here. So let's, let, let's don't put that out there. But his story is a help to us. This is after the resurrection. Jesus had not yet ascended into heaven. So there's about a period of about 40 days where Jesus is on the earth and he appears to his disciples. Let's read the story here. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We've seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Notice what he said. He didn't say, I cannot. He said, I will not. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them and Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. When 
This occurred. You know, I think, I think one of the things we need to realize is Thomas missed a moment. I don't know where he was, but he wasn't where he needed to be. Because Jesus appears to the disciples. They were all hiding because of fear of the Jews. Remember, the Jews had killed Jesus. And they were all concerned that the Jews would come after them as well. So they're hiding. They're inside. The doors are shut. Jesus shows up and says, peace to you, which is always good if you come through a closed door and the walls are shut. It's peace. And, he, and then he, he showed them his hands and his side. And the Bible says they were glad when they saw the Lord and Thomas wasn't there. I don't know if he'd gone down to Walgreens or, if he, or what, what, he was, what he was doing. He missed it. And he, he missed an important moment and he didn't get a special visitation. Jesus showed up that one time. Now, Jesus did come back eight days later. But when the disciples told Thomas about seeing the Lord, and they're excited. Man, they have seen him. They put their hands. I mean, it's like, it's the, it's the Lord. You know how excited. You walk with Jesus for three years, and he's done all these amazing things, and now he's alive again. You're like, well, this is, this is so good. So Thomas comes back in. We're like, Thomas, you should not have gone to Walgreens because this was so awesome. We saw the Lord. And Thomas is like, now, Thomas could have believed something. He could have believed the 10 guys he had lived with for the past three years. These are guys he knew. I mean, he might look to Peter and go, oh, I don't trust you, Matthew. What, 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 uh, did you see him? And Matthew's like, Thomas, we saw him. All 10 are saying the same thing. Do you realize how hard it is to get 10 people to agree on anything? All 10 are saying the same thing. They're like, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. He is alive. So Thomas had the witness of, of eyewitnesses. And then Thomas had the scriptures. Remember when, the, when Jesus, we talked about it last week, when Jesus came to, when, excuse me, when the, the ladies came to the tomb and the angel was sitting there, and the angel said, he's not here, he's risen as he said. Jesus had told them ahead of time, I'm going to rise from the dead. Now, they didn't get it, but he told them that. So Thomas had witness and he had, he had scripture for that, but Thomas made a choice. He said, I will not believe until I can touch, until I can feel, until I can see, I will not believe. And you think about it. For eight days, the disciples are walking around. They're excited, man. They look at one another and go, this is awesome, man. Jesus is alive. They're fist bumping. They're excited. And Thomas is like, eight days in the dark. Eight days wondering instead of rejoicing. But when Jesus shows up, he, I, I, love, I love what he did. Listen, I, sometimes you have to look at what Jesus didn't do. He didn't punish Thomas. When he showed up, he didn't look at Thomas and go, Thomas, you are an incredible disappointment to me. I have sent witnesses. I told you I was going to rise from the dead. But no, you would not believe you are a disappointment. You are banished from ever being a disciple. That's not what he did. He looked at Thomas. He didn't punish Thomas. He corrected him. He said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe. He said, blessed are the ones who have not seen and yet believe. In other words, the only reason he corrected Thomas is because Thomas could have made a choice. Thomas could have said, praise God. He's alive. You've seen him. Man, that's wonderful. That's great. He could have chosen to believe. And that's why Jesus corrected him. He said, Thomas, come on. Because you've seen me, he's, and then Jesus defined who the blessed are. He said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe. He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
Do you know that's us? We're the blessed. I don't know about you. I didn't see Jesus die on the cross. I didn't see him raised from the dead. But I very much believe that it happened. And because I believe that it happened, I joined the ranks of the blessed. I don't have to see it. I believe it. He is alive. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is my King and my Lord. And I believe that. And if you believe that, if you believe that, then you're the blessed. But you know, here's a beautiful thing again. Thomas made an adjustment. That didn't define Thomas's whole destiny, his whole life. Thomas made an adjustment in historians. The scriptures don't follow Thomas, but historians do. And they would tell us that Thomas went down into what's now India and did a marvelous work in India. Guys, it is not how we start, it's how we finish. It's how we finish that matters the most. You may have made mistakes in the past, join the club. All of us have. The key is let's move past it and don't let those things define us. How can you learn to trust? We can learn some things from Thomas. Here's the first one. Make moments with the Lord. Don't miss them. Make moments with the Lord. You know what you did today. So good to see you here today. You know, we, we were talking with someone the other day and uh, we, were, we were inviting her, Philip and I were talking to her, we were inviting her to church. And she was like, yeah, I had to work and I had to do this. And Philip said, we're open year round. We're, we're here. It's good to see you here. I'm, I'm, glad, you're, I'm glad you're here today. Because here's, here's the deal. It takes effort to come, I know that. It's not convenient, I know that. But it is worth the effort because there is something about coming together. They call it corporate faith. When you bring your faith and I bring my faith and other people bring their faith and we come into a place like this, it is a moment with the Lord. And how many people have said, I was just sitting there, I was worshiping, I was praying, I was listening, and God spoke to my heart or he spoke in a message. And there's a moment with the Lord that you make here and you don't have to miss it. So you're doing good. You make moments with the Lord. But don't just do it at church. Put the Lord in your daily routine in your daily routine. This is how you build trust. The writer of Deuteronomy said this, he's, he was writing, he said, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart, with all your soul. Do you realize that if you come close to God, he'll come close to you. If you'll just draw close to him and what you're doing is when you're spending time with him, you are building a relationship. And your, your, your prayers, your reading, it's like Joy talked about this morning. So many times the Lord has comforted us just reading the scriptures and a word or a phrase will jump out and it strengthened us and it helped us. And we're building a trust relationship that God loves us and he'll take care of us. That makes such a difference. Years ago, I, I read a story. It's been one of my favorite ones on being intentional on making moments. A college professor put a beacon, a glass beaker, about a gallon glass beaker, clear glass, put it on the lab table and he pulled out some, a bag of rocks, big rocks, and he filled the, the beaker with the rocks. And he asked the class, he said, is the beaker full? They said, it's full. He reaches underneath the lab table and he pulls out a bag of pebbles. And he pours the pebbles in, much smaller, and they settle in between the spaces in the rocks. And he said, is the beaker full? And they said, it's full. He reaches down and pulls out a bag of sand. And he pours the sand in and it settles down between the pebbles and the big rocks. Fill it up to the top. He said, is the beaker full? They're done. They're like, no, no, you tell me. I, I, don't, I don't know. And so he pulls out one more time a big beaker of water and pours the water in that sifts down between the sand, the pebbles, and the big rocks. 
And he looks at the class, he said, what's, what's, the, what's the moral of this illustration? <laughs> One smart guy in the back says, no matter how busy you are, you can always cram something more into your life. <laughs> he said, no, that's not it. He said, uh, he said, the moral of this story is, you put the big rocks in first. You put the big things in first. Now, I, I know you're thinking, man, I got my job, I got family, I got career, I got stuff I, I want to do. Hey, let me tell you something. One of the biggest rocks you can put in is your relationship with the Lord. To spend, you don't have to quit your job to do that, but you say, Lord, spending time with you is not a duty. It's a privilege. It's an honor. It puts something into me. You're, you're such a good God. You've been so good to me. I'm going to spend eternity with you. I might as well start now. And you put that big rock in. Time with him helps you build trust with him. Second thing is this, use your words. Use your words to build trust. Don't destroy, don't establish your doubts. What do you mean by that? So many times you hear people say things like, well, I just can't believe that. And you know, I just don't have any faith. I'm not spiritual. I'm, I don't, I'm not into that. I'm not, oftentimes with our own words, we're not helping ourselves. And so we're saying words that aren't, aren't helping us. And so one of the most important things that we can learn to do is understand that first, you may not realize this, but you got the same kind of faith in you that David and Abraham and Moses and all those guys had. You got that same kind of faith in you. You got the same kind of faith in you that Peter and James and John had, that the apostle Paul had. Now, maybe it's not as big or developed, but it's still there. You've got it. And the writer, when Paul wrote the Corinthian church, remember this Corinthian church was like, maybe he was talking to the guys who were like the Las Vegas of, of the ancient world. Corinthian church had a lot of stuff going on. And he writes them, he said, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. One of the keys and one of the, the greatest things that will begin to help us is to begin to retrain ourselves to begin to think and speak, not what we feel, not what we see, but to speak what we believe. That we begin to speak, the Lord is helping us. Dwayne Reiner, who spoke Wednesday, one of our great teachers, he was talking about how during the pandemic, the pandemic was a difficult time. Do y'all remember that when church was closed down? It's, boy, a lot of us would like to block it from our memory. But church was closed down. We didn't know what was going to happen. Well, the one thing we didn't do was stand up. You, you didn't hear me stand up going, oh, dear God, I don't know what's going to happen. We're probably, church is going to shut down. We're probably going to turn into a roller rink. I just don't know. We're not going to make it. We're all going to die. Well, that's not going to help anybody. So what I began to do was just say this. Say, I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? We didn't know. We never faced a pandemic when they shut the church down. But here's what we said. The Lord is helping us. He established this church. He can keep this church going. He's helping us. And those words were not what I saw. They're not what I felt. They're what I believed. So here's the beautiful thing is, you can take that same principle. You can look at your family and go, what a train wreck. My family is a train wreck. They are a mess. Oh my God, a dumpster fire. This is the definition of a dumpster fire. I do not know what's going to happen with all of my kids, but it does not look good. You can say that, or you can say this, God, I believe you've got a wonderful plan for my family. I believe you've got a great plan for my children. I believe you have a plan for my marriage. You ought to start saying, my marriage is gonna make it. My marriage can make it. It's our choice. 
Why don't we speak what we believe, not what we see and feel? And what happens is we begin to build trust. And by the way, just a marriage tip, if you never tell your spouse you love them, go ahead and start. You might have a hard time getting those words out. I love you. But just give it a shot. It, 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 you'll be surprised how just expressing your love helps build your love. So here's the last one. If you were learning how to trust, believe your relationship and trust what the Lord can grow. Now this is important. Believe that your relationship and trust what the Lord can grow. You know, when Jesus was, was on the earth, he, he, he came down one day and there was a father there who had a demon-possessed son. And, and, and the disciples couldn't help him. And the father was frustrated. And he came to Jesus and he, he was telling Jesus what happened. It, the demon, has often thrown him, the little boy, both into the fire and into the water to kill him. He said, but if you, he's talking to Jesus, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. So what he did was, this guy's going, you know, Jesus, if you, if you can, he threw it all on Jesus. And Jesus is like, if I can do something? He said, all things are possible to him that believe. And you know the rest of the story, that man cried out. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. But he expressed, Lord, I, I believe. Now, here, here's my point on this. Your relationship with the Lord, where you are right now with the Lord, is, is a function of your decision. It's not your destiny. Where you are right now with the Lord, you say, you know, Alan, I just feel like there's, there's more that the Lord has for me. He does. I feel like there's more. Listen, that's where you are right now. If you just say, well, you know, I, just, I feel like I'm stuck or I feel like I haven't grown any... Listen, that's not your destiny. That's your decision. You choose where you're going to be. You choose. If you, want to, if, you, if you would like, maybe some of you are saying, you know, Alan, the cry of my heart is, I'd like to be closer to God. You can. Alan, I'd like to have a, a, a stronger faith. You can. Alan, I'd like to have a, a, a greater relationship with the Lord. You can. That's your call. That's your choice. Too often we set our own limitations. I'm not spiritual. You know, my, my mom was spiritual. I'm not. And oftentimes we, we set the boundaries of our own life. R.T. was a young man who grew up in the 40s. And when he hit the fifth grade, he'd been a straight A student until he reached the fifth grade. Fifth grade, he started making B's and C's. And it bothered him. And his parents came in to have a conference with the teacher. And R.T. said he, he, he shouldn't have overheard it, but he did. Because the fifth grade teacher looked at his father and said, you have to understand, R.T.'s just not an A student. R.T. said, I never made another A. Fifth grade, sixth grade, all the way through high school. Somehow he got into college, and he graduated from college. And something must have clicked with R.T. Because R.T. then went on and got a Master's of Divinity from Southeastern Seminary, the Bible Seminary in Louisville. And not only did he get a Master's in Divinity, he also got a Master's in the, a year later from the University of Louisville. He had a double Master's going at the same time. And then he went over to England and got a, a Doctor of Philosophy from Oxford. Not, not Oxford, Mississippi. Oxford, England. We're talking about the, the real... And, and then he came back and got another doctorate. Double masters, double doctorate. He wrote, he's written over 50 books and was the pastor of Westminster Chapel in London for 25 years. Somehow, 
it clicked in him that the limitations that had been established in his life did not have to be his destiny. Don't let anyone tell you what you can or can't do in the Lord. The Lord's looking at you going, it's up to you. It's your call. It's your choice. It's not your destiny, where you want to go. So when it comes to your role in the body of Christ, that's up to him. If you wake up tomorrow morning and you go, you know what? I think I'm going to be the senior pastor of the Ark Church. Ain't going to happen. <laughs> Here's the I didn't even make that decision. That's his decision. My role in the body of Christ, your role in the body of Christ, that's his decision. Your relationship, that's up to you. So in other words, you can be as close as you want. Don't just say, well, if the Lord wanted to be closer to me, he would. No, no. He opens the door and goes, it's up to you. What do you believe? If you believe that you can grow and trust in the Lord, you can. He's not holding you back. A number of years ago, about, actually about 2018, a lady named Kathy wrote a Facebook post. She's from Australia, and they were traveling through Queensland, Australia. She said they, they encountered a horrible, horrible rainstorm. She said one of those rainstorms you just couldn't hardly see in front of you, and the water starting to lap over the, the roads, and it was covering the roads at some point. And she got in behind a truck, and she noticed that this truck would, would sometimes pull over to where most of the road, the water was, and, and as he plowed through, she could come in behind him. And, he, and she said to her husband, I think he's displacing that water for us. And she, she said, I couldn't see but his brake lights sometimes, but he would use his brake lights and his blinkers to, to, to his turn signals to warn her where there was danger. And she just followed him. She tucked in behind him, and he got her through that rainstorm. When he turned off, they turned off too. And the husband got out of the, the car and went to speak with him. The truck driver's name was Footy. And Footy, he said, just a sweetheart of a guy. Footy said, I could see more than you could. And I would hope that if it was my family in the car that someone would do that for them. They trusted Footy and he got them through a storm. I thought, you know, that's, that's our life. That's our relationship. We trust in a God who sees more than we do. We trust in a God who can weave us around some of the pitfalls and the challenges in life. We trust in a God who sees more and knows more. But here's the thing. We trust in a God who cares for us more than anybody else. That's the beauty of our relationship with him. <laughs> Could you bow your head with me just for a moment? Please know when leaving, we'll be out of here in, in just a moment. If you came today and said, Alan, I don't have a relationship with the Lord, but I really would like one, or I'm not sure where I stand with the Lord, I don't want to know. Or maybe you're like I was. I was raised in church and made a decision, but, but fell away. And you're, that's you today. And so if that's you, if you're watching online, or if you're here, man, I, I, want, I want to give you the opportunity. His arms are open wide. He's, he's saying, man, come on. I got something good for you. He's there for you. So we're going to say a prayer. We're not going to have you stand up or come to the front, but if that's you that I'm talking to, and you say, Alan, I want to know uh, that I, where I am with the Lord, or I want to come back to him, would you pray for me? R real quick, would you slip up your hand just quick across this auditorium and say, that's me? Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else say, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Appreciate your courage. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand and you wanted to. Listen, you can pray this prayer. We're going to pray with you as a church family. If you're watching online, 
just to, if you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with other people, pray it quietly. But pray this. We're going to pray it with you as church family. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Now, heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Father, thank you. For those that prayed that prayer here and online, Lord, thank you. For the wonderful plans that you have for them, for the change that's taking place in their life, for the freedom and the joy that comes from a relationship with you. Thank you for what you're doing and what you will do in their lives. And Father, thank you for those of us who know you. Thank you that we have such potential and capacity to know you in a greater way, to trust you in a greater way, to have a relationship with you that makes a difference in our lives and makes a difference in the lives of those around us. We give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.